1: From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast featuring in-depth interviews with experts from AccuWeather and from around the world. Bringing you behind-the-scenes information, stories, and news on the weather, climate change, and the outdoors. Covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now, here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather Meteorologist, Dean DeVore.
2: All right, friends, welcome into to Episode 8 of the fall series. As we get into the second the last weekend of October, time is flying. What a wild weather week. Unseasonably hot temperatures out west with terrible air quality in the Pacific Northwest. A bowling ball of winter cold that came down through the... Great Lakes and into a lot of the country east of the Mississippi with some really chilly weather here to start the week. But then everything's flipping as we go into the weekend as that warm air pushes into the middle of the country and then eventually tries to get into the northeast a bit. And we're also going to see uh, that wintry, cooler pattern start to set up in the northwest. Dan Pinnodowski, AccuWeather Meteorologist, will join me in our second segment for the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond. But Friends, uh, it is uh, that time of year when temperatures getting colder. The idea of insect pests is getting less, obviously, but rodents and other things are trying to make the move indoors as these colder temperatures hit. We're going to talk about pests as we get ready for... National Rodent Awareness Week. Friends, sit back and relax. It's time to talk about everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. And it's time to sit down with our friend, Chief Entomologist and Vice President of Technical and Regulatory Affairs for the National Pest Management Association, the people who put together the great resource pestworld.org. We welcome our friend, Jim Fredericks, a big Phillies fan who's like me, smiling from ear to ear. Are you are it, it's hard because you know, when you have a team like we have with the Phillies that had very little expectation, I mean, we just kind of what limped into the, the playoffs, and now we're here on the cusp of uh, well, as we record this, we're tied a game apiece heading back to Philadelphia. That should be a interesting scene here. So, uh, we, we can talk about baseball in the third segment. Oh, there's not a third segment, but <laughs> this is a weather segment. Uh, my friend, uh, this is. National Rodent Awareness Week. And I've got some awareness because I had a rodent come in. It's that time of year. I think they're, well, I have a corner of my garage that has a lot of bird seat and stuff. And I'm sure it's just a great place for them to camp out. And so I thought we were talking off air. I thought it was a, it could have been a vole, but then it might be a mole. It was definitely dark. It was definitely, you know, not very huge. So maybe it was a mouse. I don't know, but it certainly was a rodent. And I should be aware of that, right,
1: Jim? Welcome that's, for, in. <laughs> that's for sure. It's it's Rodent Awareness Week. And it's it's the time of year when the temperatures are starting to drop. If you live in a rural area, the fields are being harvested, and there are a whole lot of rodents that are going to be seeking shelter for the winter. And so what you saw was probably it was probably a field mouse, you know, just a mouse that's out uh, living in nature and found its way in and found a good spot in your garage to eat some eat some food. Um, But, you know, there's there's some things that you can do to protect yourself. And I'm happy to talk about that with you here today.
2: I would think one thing would be do something that I probably should have done, which is really clean up those seeds, make sure that they're all uh, kind of in a in a airtight container, not spilled out so that they have some food. That would be one thing that I would think that I should probably be doing. Can you give me some others?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, rodents are looking for the same things that we'd be looking for food, water, shelter, right? Um, Food, obviously, it could be in the form of bird seed, it could be in the form of human food. Uh, Pet food is a big one. So make sure that You know, you don't if you're if you're going to be feeding pets outdoors to make Mm -hmm. sure to clean up, pick up that food and not let it sit Mm -hmm. out uh, overnight, because that's going to be really enticing for not only mice, but also rats. But indoors, sealing up your food in airtight containers is just going to take away um, the ability of those rodents to smell that food, uh, because if they can smell it, then they can chew their way into just about anything. Now, a metal container for bird food or or pet food is really going to be your best bet. Uh, but starting off with airtight is important too. I think uh, one of the things that people often don't think about is that, you know, you can actually exclude a lot of the rodents from your home. So you you mentioned that you had uh, some sort of rodent in your garage and, uh, you know, garages are, are hot spots. It's the, usually the primary access points.
2: Because sometimes people leave their like I do, I leave my garage door open when I'm working or doing stuff in the in the gardening area. And so, I do have a chip. I mean, I have a chipmunk that knows where to get the food when he wants it. And uh, we we surprise each other every once in a while, but he doesn't want to stay. Uh, but I, <laughs> I yeah, I think uh, it's it's definitely a hot spot because of the in, ingress and egress, the ease of it. Right.
1: That's right. I mean, uh, plenty of people leave their garage doors open. You know, uh, you're, you have them open all day. You're in and out on the weekends. Sometimes you leave them open overnight. Right. I mean, how many times mm. have we forgotten to close up the garage door? two or three nights a week,
2: so (laughs) not
1: now. I'm going to try to keep
2: it closed because of the, uh, I do have, it's funny, I have a setting where it's supposed to automatically close, but then I hit the hold button to try to do some things, and then I forget to take it off, so.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, and even when that garage door is closed, rodents can still gain access.
2: Yeah, there's Um, little holes in the sides there, right? Yeah,
1: well, something that everybody ought to do as we go into this winter season is check the seal on the bottom of the garage door. So close that door. Uh, during the daytime, close mm-hmm. the door, turn out the lights in the garage, and then look at the bottom edge of that garage door. If you can see any light leaking in at the bottom or at the corners of that garage corners, door, yeah, my, I,
2: I always see it on the on the corners on each side, right at the bottom there, where I see that light coming in. So, what can I do there? What can I put in there?
1: And so there will be that would be time to, to replace that seal. Okay. So um, there there are do it yourself solutions for replacing those garage door seals. Um, you know there there are folks that can do that type of work. Pest management uh, pros will uh, can do that work in some cases. Um, but if but even if there's the smallest gap there, rodents will find a way to chew through the 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 term rodent comes from the science uh, the scientific um, order Rodentia, and it oh, means wow. to chew or to gnaw. And interestingly, rodents have teeth that continue to grow throughout their lifetime, and so um, as they chew, they grind those teeth together and uh, and, and kind of keep them filed down, so to speak. And if they if they weren't chewing, those teeth would just grow out of control. And so they're constantly chewing. So if they can gain uh, just a tooth hold on a corner of that. Uh, of of that seal, they'll chew their way right in. Pardon
2: the pun from Dr. Fredericks. but
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it's interesting because, you know, people often think, you know, it's it's gross. You get a mouse in the house. Um, There's some droppings left behind. We know that they can carry disease on their feet, on their fur. Um, They're a cause of allergy or they exacerbate allergy and asthma symptoms, especially in children. Um, But mice are also avid chewers, right? They're constantly chewing. And in nature, they'll chew on sticks, twigs, branches out in the forest. Um, but in your home, they'll chew on wires and can, That's can so actually good. cause electrical fires. Yeah.
2: Wires. Uh, I've had situations. Now, do they come in, do those mice a lot of times come in and do they hibernate a bit? Like, will they come in or will they be in that kind of like Low hibernation situation where every once in a while they'll wake up
1: and and do some chewing and eating, but they'll be they'll be laying low uh, as you go through the winter. they don't truly hibernate. so when they find their way into the home, they're just kind of fi- trying to find a, a place to keep warm and set up shop. Oftentimes mice that are encountered in the home, especially house mice, will build a nest and will not leave. and so you can you can have a population of mice uh, that set up shop and then never leave the house. And so with the first sign of a mouse infestation, it's time to call a pro. It's time to address that problem because these populations can grow very quickly.
2: And you would be looking for what you talked about, signs where you can see where something's been chewing on something. Um, I was, uh, last spring, I was starting to do some spring cleaning and I I took out a place where I had some old uh, of those seed starting pots, right? And there, there had to have been one in there because there was this hole about three or four inches in diameter through all the bottom of each of those uh, pots, those paper mache pots. And it was a mess. They had chewed all through that. So yeah, they were, they were definitely having fun in there. Uh, I, I, as I cleaned out the whole thing, I didn't see any sign of a nest. So it almost seemed like one had gotten in and maybe was in for a while and at some point had gotten out. I'm not sure, but yeah, there's, there's certainly telltale signs and the first sign you see that you better start looking and making sure that you don't have a bigger problem.
1: Absolutely. The chewing, um, because they were probably chewing on those paper mache pots, either to build a nest right there or to take that material back into a wall void or some other hidden place where they were building a nest. And there's really only one reason they're going to build a nest is for those females to have babies. Right. right. And that means more mice. And that means more mice. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, it's not only uh, National Rodent Awareness Week, but uh, just in the last couple of weeks, uh, actually, and the end of last month, As you guys always do, you talk about your population forecast for the upcoming seasons for, you know, all kinds of uh, bugs, rodents and all those kinds of things. Um, So let's talk a little bit about that Um, in the northeast New England. So we've gone through the fall. We were expecting the relief from the mosquitoes and stinging insects. But I know we've had a, a chilly shot here. Uh, In the last uh, couple of days in the Northeast and New England, it's going to actually moderate a bit. There is a concern that these uh, milder temperatures holding on a little bit longer will extend the tick season. And I can speak to that, too. I was out uh, playing disc golf the other day and uh, I looked down and I saw one on my pants leg. And so there we go. They're still out there.
1: Yeah, this this cold snap. In fact, uh, here where I am in in uh, northern Virginia, we had a freeze last night. We were down to thirty degrees, I think, in in our neck of the woods. And that's gonna that's gonna kill those stinging insects that are outside. Um, so the paper wasps and the uh, bald faced hornets, um, those those outdoor exposed nests are gonna be are gonna be killed off. The adult mosquitoes, for the most part, are gonna be killed off with that. Um, but you're right, ticks will find a way to kind of keep warm. So as the weather cools, they hunker down into the leaf litter. Um, They might, uh, you know, and they they use that as insulation. But on warm days, when you're out there uh, enjoying those those warm days, even into December, January, February, um, if it's above 50 degrees Fahrenheit outside, you're going to have tick activity and they're going to be seeking a host and that's you.
2: Down in the southeast, uh, temperatures, uh, winter fall temperatures colder than average. Expect rodent activity to increase sooner than usual, and that might be the case with because that the chilly shot of air that you know we've been dealing with went all the way down into Florida, had uh, thirty degree near freezing temperatures in Florida. So I would imagine those rodents might be on the move, thinking about where they might want to set up shop. Let's go to the Great Lakes, Ohio Valley, Midwest. Stink bugs are starting to uh, invade structures this time of fall, living in Pennsylvania. I had a few of those uh, about a week ago where it seemed like they were really on the move to try to find warmer and uh, easier conditions to deal with. Is that what they're trying to do at that point?
1: Yeah, so stink bugs are acting a little bit different than the, than the rodents. Um, because stink bugs are insects, they're cold-blooded, and their, um, their activity levels are going to drop when it gets cold. Um, this particular stink bug, the brown marmorated stink bug, was imported accidentally from Asia in the nineteen nineties into wow. Pennsylvania. Wow! And then it has since spread. Um, it's a pest in a number of different agricultural systems, apples, pears, and a number of other crops. But when uh, most people see it, is when it comes to buildings, to structures, and and homes. Uh, to overwinter. So they're just simply looking for a place to spend the winter. They'll get up behind siding, uh, through gaps around windows, into attics, uh, trying to spend the winter. During the cold, coldest parts of the winter, they're going to be inactive. But on those sunny days when the weather warms up, you'll have stink bugs that will kind of wake up. Some will go outside, some accidentally find their way inside. And that's when we encounter them.
2: They usually, it seems to me they're going for places where they can get in, maybe your ducks, uh, one time where uh, my my baseboard um, forced air heating was spinning out bugs. Right, The the, the uh, stink bugs were coming out of that uh, as we were getting a little bit of a push and an infestation. Um, let's go up to the north central United States uh, where you say below average fall temperatures could to drive occasionally box elder bugs. That's another invader uh, in terms of trying to find warm spaces to to survive. Right.
1: Yeah, that's that's a classic fall invader. Um, We used to call them growing up. We called them Halloween bugs because these are the these are the bugs. that are kind of black and red or black and uh, kind of bright orange. And you see them oftentimes in, you know, in October. So that would tell you that, um, you know, that Halloween's coming And And these things will aggregate by the thousands on the side of buildings, Um, oftentimes on the south side of the building where it's getting sun during the day. So that warmest spot, they'll aggregate there and then as temperatures cool. They'll find their way inside. Those are um, they feed, you know, during during the year um, they're feeding they're reproducing um, and they, they like box elder maples, also called the ash leaf maple. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'll feed on a wide variety of trees and they, they feed on on plant juices. So lots of different maple trees. For the most part, they're not a pest um, until they come to people's homes in the wintertime.
2: Now, I I know we're talking about with this La Nina in the south central part of the United States, the La Nina is continuing uh, into this uh, now third successive winter of some kind of La Nina. And so that is going to pretend we think normal than average fall temperatures for the south central United States. That means uh, cockroach and ant activity persists. A little bit longer, well into the fall months, and in the southwest part of the country, cockroaches and centipedes are re, going to remain active well into the fall with the warm temperatures there. So, those are some things. Um, anything special that we should think about if we're dealing with ants, cockroaches, or centipedes?
1: Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, when we when we're talking about these cold-blooded insects, right, and in some cases arthropods, because of course um, uh, centipedes are not insects at all gonna Their behavior is going to be dependent on temperature. Um, if the temperature is too cold; they are going to become inactive. If it gets warm, they're going to be more active. In fact, if it gets too warm, uh, their their activity is actually reduced again. And so, as these shoulder these shoulder seasons are extended, and we see an extension of that um, of warmer weather into the autumn months, we would expect that all of those pests will continue to stay active um, in the Northeast. Um, we often think about cockroaches as an indoor pest, but in the South and the Southwest, cockroaches are both indoors and outdoors. We call them peridomestic cockroaches because they're not only active on the outside, but they find their way inside.
2: I'll tell you what, lots of great information on that. People can go to pestworld.org and on the uh, opening page, you can find a link to the 2022 bug barometer. So if you want to go back in and Take a look at some of that stuff. And then just so many great resources, the articles. I'm seeing stinging insects. Um, were you guys charged with trying to eat interesting bugs? Because it looks like uh, I see it says NPMAs, will they eat it? What's all that about?
1: Oh, my goodness. Will they eat it is such a fun uh a thing that we did we actually where the question is will the termites eat it ah okay not, so, not not um, the
2: staff of the nbma that you know right
1: not this not this not fear was,
2: factor where there's shoving bugs down your throat not at all
1: you'd have to pay me more in order to do that job <laughs> that's okay um, uh, but you definitely ought to check that out because uh what we what we did is we introduced um various household items into a tank full of termites And then we try to determine, will they eat it? We had fast food. We had stacks of fake dollar bills. We had uh, sneakers, all kinds of fun stuff. And it's really surprising what termites will eat because they're after that cellulose and they find it in some surprising places.
2: Yeah, that sounds, uh, I'm looking at some of these great uh, videos too. It's not just that one on Pest TV, you guys call it. So things that you won't believe and rodents revealed, good stuff because it's, you know, these are things that a lot of people don't understand, Jim, and it's great for people to have resources where they can find not only the information of what they're dealing with, but then folks at MPMA and PestWorld.org, what you are trying to do is also link them with professionals
1: that can help them deal with it, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, people are really interested in pests and insects, and part of it's the creepy factor. But it's really important information, and we try to have a little bit of fun with it. But ultimately, um, uh, these are pests that can damage homes, that can contaminate food, that can cause disease, and so it's important when when folks are considering, you know, what to do about their pest infestation, that they reach out to a pro. And uh, and I and I do appreciate, Dean, you uh, you you pointing that out because that, that's that's one of our the primary things that we're trying to do here.
2: Well, we appreciate you, Jim. It's always great to have you on. And it's especially great, as I said up front, with being uh, mutual Phillies fans here that we're all excited about that. Um, Look, uh, it's going to be a a winter we'll get through. And then in the spring, we'll have a lot of things to talk about with you again here on Everything Under the Sun. Jim, have a great winter. And thanks for being on the program with us. Thanks,
1: Dean. Go Phillies.
2: Again, I want to point out the amazing website, PestWorld.org, the National Pest Management Association's website to give you the information you need to diagnose your problems and also give you the resources to find out a professional in your area who can help you with your problems and pests, whether they're insects or rodents or everything else in between. Thanks to our friend Jim for joining us. When I come back, we're going to talk to Dan Pinanowski. AccuWeather meteorologists about what a wild weather week it's been and where we're going from here. So, go into the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond. This is everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com.
1: Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: whether you're at home getting ready for work packing the kids lunch or commuting listen to accuweather daily subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day welcome back to everything under the sun from accuweather.com i'm dean devore joined now by meteorologist dan pitonowski who is joining me for our Second segment that we always do here on the AccuWeather, Everything Under the Sun podcast. It's the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond. And Danny, what an amazing week of weather with, uh, you know, that bowling ball, as I like to call it. I got made fun of a little bit on a few stations. They would play bowling ball sound effects behind me. But uh, uh, it was like a bowling ball of cold air that just came plopping down (laughs) through the Great Lakes, spread some really chilly air down into the southeast kind of a glancing blow to parts of the Northeast. In fact, wasn't there one morning there were every contiguous state in the uh, 48 contiguous states, every state except Maine was in the 30s or had temperatures in the 30s at one point. It was that cold. But now what a flip around. All the heat that was out west is coming to the central plains and expanding eastward. And they're going into winter mode in the Pacific Northwest. What a flip this weekend.
0: Yeah, it's it's certainly the case, uh, Dean, and and you're right. The the cold was uh, especially impressive uh, during the middle of this past week over the uh, Great Lakes and Ohio and Tennessee valleys. Had lows in the 30s all the way down to the Gulf Coast and the Florida Panhandle. Had a lot of areas see a frost and a freeze earlier than uh, normal across yeah. the Ohio and Tennessee valleys. Uh, But you're right. I think for the Pacific Northwest, it looks like a welcome pattern change. Obviously, they've been dealing with the warmth and the very uh, stagnant and smoky air with the Uh. the poor air quality in in Seattle and Portland. And this should finally scour that out.
2: Wasn't there? I think uh, this week, Portland and Seattle were number one and number two for worst air quality in the entire world. And that's saying something because of the problems we see all the time in China. So yeah, it was a a terrible situation. That in some ways, I mean, you don't want cold snow, yuck! To to and 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 that's kind of weather, uh, but it's going to certainly help our our health in those areas to scour that out. What a yeah what a, what yeah
0: situation. no that that's exactly right. It, the 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 cooler and the change in air mass, and you get more of a breeze, and uh, and and with the cold front coming through, you do. Uh, stir up the atmosphere and can scour out the pollutants but you're right uh it comes uh that comes w- with the price of uh colder weather and uh some snow in the mountains so yeah. uh you know if you like uh you like to do some skiing getting a little flavor of that as snow Whoa. levels uh across the northern rockies and pack northwest maybe fall down to four thousand feet or so later this weekend so uh, you know, areas like Denver and Salt Lake City look like they miss out. Not not in the, in, the, in the major metro areas, but in the mountains, certainly a taste of winter.
2: Yeah, um, we're looking at that. And then it's uh, our old friend, Dr. Joe Sobel, used to talk about rubber band uh, snapping. You know, you, you, you pull one way so much and then it snaps back. And so after all that cold air in the middle of the country, now all that warmth that was out west translates to the middle of the country hot weather I mean you I we normally hold off hot to 90 degrees but I think in late October mid to upper 80s that's hot for the central plains this weekend crazy warm.
0: Yeah, yeah, it certainly is record-challenging warmth. Uh, you look at a place like uh, Omaha, Nebraska, for example. Uh, we're forecasting 83 tomorrow, 88 hmm. on Sunday. The record is 84 Sunday, so yeah. uh, that would shatter the record. So a big trough dipping into the pack northwest, and you're right, in response, uh, getting a couple days of a big ridge farther east and just a, a blowtorch southwesterly flow uh, out ahead of this big trough diving into the pack northwest. 78 in Chicago both days. 72 in Detroit. I mean, it's crazy. And even,
2: you know, mid to upper 60s, uh, we're getting ready for white out here at Penn State on Saturday evening. Um, but that's the only coldness of the, the blizzard feel of those uh, 100,000 white shakers uh, because it's going to be a mild night. The thing that we've been watching along the eastern seaboard as we head into this weekend is this potential for a coastal low. I mean, it made sense meteorologically bringing all that energy and cold down like it did in the middle of the country that something may try to spin up along the eastern seaboard. There has been some questions about how much tropical moisture would get in, how much energy being out over the warm Gulf Stream waters. Could it develop into a tropical or extra tropical system as we record this on friday morning doesn't look like it does there's going to be an entity of some lows out there we'll bring some rain to the coastline and maybe some minor wind and and uh situations as we're looking at it now i don't know does this have any chance of ramping up here in the next 24 36 hours other than that danny
0: yeah, it sort of looks like a, a strung out feature is what we yeah. end up with. You see like a, a little surface low uh, just starting to develop now along the stalled frontal boundary north of the Bahamas and east of Florida. And... Uh, it's the the main low looks like it's going to stay located off the southeast coast this weekend. And I'm not sure you get a feature that's coherent enough or stays out over the Gulf stream long enough to develop into something subtropical. But you're right. You get a piece of that, in like an inverted trough coming northward along the eastern seaboard. And you have a big high to the north yeah. over New England. So yeah. you still have an easterly gradient to work right. with. You'll still have wind and you still will have an influx of moisture uh, coming north or uh, through the mid-Atlantic, eventually into the northeast and New England.
2: Yeah, but it looks like it's really confined to the coast as we record this on Friday morning, as we get, you know, up to, say, New York City by Sunday afternoon and then into Boston, probably Sunday night into Monday. Right now, it still looks like most of the moisture from this whole elongated system is Aimed at southern New England. And I think, you know, they could wake up to some transition or uh, some transit problems with slow travel on Monday up there with some ponding on the roads in Port Drainage areas. Um, New York may have that a little bit on Sunday night, but it's certainly something as you go through the weekend and, and you're in that I 95 corridor, keep an eye on. But yeah, this doesn't look like it's going to wrap up into what would essentially be a really kind of just strong nor'easter is what we were kind of fearing with this uh, deep low. So just stay tuned on that. Um, you know, Danny and I uh, share a lot of, uh, passion about feeding birds and wildlife and stuff. And so this, uh, you know, we were joking before we came and I told him what the, uh, subject matter on is celebrating national rodent and awareness week. And, uh, Uh, you know, we just talked, we, we both had a situation, not a, not a pest, but I just had, and you've had a bird as we try to feed birds, get stuck in our bird tube feeder. And I had one the other day and I felt so good that I was there that I was able to release that. I felt it was a pretty good feeling is, uh, this time of year, the birds are really hitting that bird feed hard at your place too, Dan.
0: Yeah, yeah, seeing a number of birds uh, now, a lot of blue jays, some some nut hatches around, and yeah, Yeah. we've had them get stuck in the feeder before, too, and (laughs) also have had them, uh, back before we had a chimney cap on, we've had them invade the basement, which Uh riles the cat, fly (laughs) down the chimney and uh, rile the cats up, so, Yeah.
2: Yeah, good stuff. Uh, I'm glad you, you know, I had the mouse come into the the garage and that's what we were talking to Jim Fredericks about. I'm glad you haven't had that. So listen, Danny, thanks for talking to us about the weather. Dan and I work together every morning and uh, one of our great team members here at AccuWeather.com. Dan, have a great weekend. All right, you too, Dean. Hope everyone enjoys their weekend. And friends, that'll do it for episode eight of our fall series of 2022 here on Everything Under the Sun. We are very proud next week to announce that The National Weather Service has deemed us an ambassador of the Weather Ready Nation program. We've talked about that program before, and we are going to uh, talk to them about that uh, great honor that we are so proud about here at AccuWeather. We will talk to you about the weather, where it meets your life. You can keep up to date on your AccuWeather app, your AccuWeather.com website. You can get AccuWeather Now there, which is a streaming of our network and other programming that will keep you weatherproofed. Uh, Also, our great AccuWeather partners, like the many stations that I'm on every day. And from AccuWeather, we're proud to work with them. We're proud to work with our hundreds of team members who work so hard to get your life weatherproofed every day. For my executive producers, Ken Prell and Andrew Robb, thanks for listening so much. Episode 9 of our fall series drops your way next Friday. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com.
1: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com.